0: Hello, everybody. and Welcome to the TraderCorp Crypto Show. Today, we've got a guest who is uh, very, very interesting. And I say that about lots of guests, but you're going to get the understanding of why I find this very interesting in just a minute. We've got Claire Wyvel-Platter, who is the chairman of The Fold Legal, which basically is a fintech company in the financial services regulation space, more or less. And thanks so much for being here, Claire. I appreciate your time.
1: You're welcome. Lovely to be here.
0: Excellent. Look, um, in all honesty, my introduction—you I mean, you've got a uh, you know, you've got a page long of uh, history as to what you've done and where you've been. If you could just bring us up to speed and let us know a little bit about how you've come to where you are, that'd be fantastic.
1: Sure. Um, I guess we don't think of ourselves as a fintech firm, but in many ways, I guess we are. But that's because we're actually a law firm, um, and we've been working with financial services and credit businesses since two thousand and two. The significance of that date is that it was when a very um, big change was made to the way any financial services firm is regulated and we basically recognised that small to medium businesses who had not had a big regulatory burden until that time were going to need specialist advice and they wouldn't be able to afford it from the big law firms, so we set up a business that would um, service those firms and help them with their legal needs. And so basically since then we have worked with wealth management, insurance, payments, crowdfunding, um, peer-to-peer lending, robo-advice businesses, um, whether they were fintech businesses using uh, digital means to deliver their services or, of course, in the early days people-based businesses that were were much more uh, traditional, I guess. And uh, so in 2013 when the fintech wave first started, we uh, we we reached out to a number of businesses and got ourselves involved in the community, and uh, and I think it's it's probably fair to say that um, since then we've become a go-to firm for that kind of business, um, for fintech, regtech, blockchain, cryptocurrency. Uh, we're working with over sixty fintech businesses at the moment.
0: Wow, so quite qualified. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, look, it brings me to my first question. Really, is um. Obviously, you know, you, you've seen from 2013, you named as the sort of influxes to when the services became provided by by uh, your firm. How, how have you seen? I mean, that's what five years now, which, which isn't a long time as far as years go, but as far as technology goes, things happen very, very fast. And of course, with this new technology that we know as blockchain, things are happening at an even more rapid pace than in traditional fintech. How have you seen things sort of change over the last five years? And was there any key Key pivotal pivotal moments when uh, when you saw that change come in?
1: Yeah, well, in in about April two thousand and thirteen, um, even though it had been around by that time for five years, blockchain started to become there. There started to be a lot of interest in blockchain. People were s- starting to develop um, Bitcoin, all sorts of Bitcoin services, payment systems, um, investment. Um, Organ, you know opportunities, um, uh, and and then starting in the very very early days of looking at blockchain more generally as a as a, a way of um, transacting, um, and so I was lucky enough at that time to meet uh, some of the people who were looking at forming the uh, what then was the cryptocurrency association, and uh, they had organised to go down to Canberra to meet with representatives of the tax office, the um, competition commission. Um, uh, ASIC um, DFAT of all people because it was seen blockchain was or Bitcoin was seen as a um, fantastic mechanism of um, you know making payments to um, places like the Philippines and so forth where a lot of Australians are supporting their families. So there were pretty much most most of the government departments that might potentially have an interest in blockchain in Bitcoin were, were invited to come along and basically hear about what it was, how it worked, what we saw the future for it, etc. And it was a really fascinating roundtable um, at that down in Canberra with a lot of people there, and we came away incredibly excited about the future for uh, Bitcoin in particular, because the the sort of whilst slightly guarded as regulators always are, there seemed to be a reasonable amount of enthusiasm in the in the room for this new technology. But then um, a dreadful thing happened and was the tax office put decided that for tax purposes, GST, uh, um, it should be subject, Bitcoin should be subject to GST. And that basically meant that most of the people that we were talking with that were looking at setting up Bitcoin businesses of one type or another were effectively put out of business because it was just too difficult and nobody wanted it. It took away the revenue model for, for Bitcoin businesses if it had a 10% tax on it because it couldn't compete with, with traditional currency, basically. So life was quiet then for probably about uh, a year. Then sort of more traditional fintech like peer-to-peer lending and digital advice started to emerge. So we got very, very busy and engaged in that space. And, and you know, that's when we sort of developed that side of our business. But in September last year, um, a pivotal thing happened uh, which was the rapid increase or recognition of the rapid increase in the price of Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin and, you know, Litecoin and various other cryptos, pure cryptos that were around then. And it was really interesting because I'd started, I didn't start investing in crypto in 2013, but I started in early 2017. So I was feeling very happy about the games that I'd made. And then the next thing we know, the phone starts ringing and uh, and we would have advised probably uh, twenty five, I guess, uh, blockchain slash cryptocurrency businesses since then t- that time. Not all of them, uh, of course, have necessarily proceeded because there are some regulatory hurdles that they have to go through, and many of them, you know, didn't necessarily have fully um, fully articulated business cases. But we we're, we're certainly uh, looking after quite a number of those businesses now with some really interesting variation of roles that we're playing.
0: What an amazing journey! We often people talk about um, you know, how they got into crypto and how the journey began. Fascinating! Uh, I've never heard a story like that where it sort of began in the halls of uh, of of Canberra. You know, it's it's uh, it's a very different uh, different viewpoint and a very interesting one. And on how the GST kind of squashed a lot of um. The, the margin effectively for the business. Now, as we've seen the, the space develop, obviously, as you say, you know, September last year, we did see the uh, the price of the pure cryptos and not just the pure cryptos. I mean, we, we saw many cryptos moving. Uh, I mean, there was a big, the big move uh, through May to June and uh, what would be considered now the alt markets. And then we saw, you know, obviously, the subsequent uh, very large rise throughout September, October, November and December, just sort of peaking uh, with Bitcoin in particular. towards that 20,000 US marks. We've seen the influx or what what can happen when basically mainstream media grabs a hold of it. As far as regulation goes in Australia, because I I speak with a lot of projects globally, I speak with a lot of uh, thought leaders, um, a lot of people that are creating all sorts of things and some of the people that created Ethereum. And and, and a lot of people, especially coming out of Asia, and you might be able to comment on this, are very big on Australia's... um, ecosystem mainly because we're a trusted country and they believe we'll do the right thing. The regulation in the space in Australia do you see it as being like are they open to move forward and and open the doors a little bit more or are we seeing that they they're, they're sort of I guess taking a little bit more conservative approach to the regulation. I know it's a it's a tricky question but what I'm saying is are they open or not?
1: No no well, I'm, I'm very familiar with the uh, – um, I've, I've had a number of meetings with the regulator about um, blockchain and cryptocurrency regulation and, indeed, I'm part of the FinTech Australia working, uh, blockchain working group that's working on trying to create a code of conduct uh, for um, or cryptocurrency globally and ICOs globally. So, uh, yeah, it's something it's, that I'm absolutely passionate about, in fact. I would describe the Australian regulators' approach as being facilitative at this stage. They uh, genuinely don't want to rush out and regulate and shut something down by imposing constraints around it in a way that is ill-informed because we don't know what it looks like yet. So they are relying on existing regulatory frameworks at this stage And so what cryptocurrency businesses need to do is to understand how it is that their businesses fit within existing regulatory frameworks and follow those. Now, there's good and bad in that. The good in it is that pure cryptocurrency, where it's used as a means of sort of exchange and payment, is not considered to be a, um, a financial product. So it escapes an enormous amount of regulation. For example... Um, if you operate a Bitcoin or an exchange that, that enables people to either purchase or um, uh, buy and sell cryptocurrencies, you don't. At this stage, you don't need a uh, financial services license. You do, of course, need to have AML, CTF, money laundering and CTF um, procedures in place and register with Ostrac. But that's a most businesses were voluntarily complying with that anyway, so that's a really good thing. Um on the other hand if if what you're doing in the cryptocurrency space moves towards uh, or, or looks like something which is an existing financial services like for example, if you're providing using Bitcoin to provide a payment service in other words you you're facilitating people making payment in Bitcoin, you might then need a financial services license if you're the, 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 the amount of your transactions um, and the uh, volume of them is over a certain threshold level. So there's, that's a good example of... Uh, or, for example, if you're collecting money from people and pooling it together in order to invest in, in cryptocurrencies on a behalf of a group of people, that might be a managed investment scheme and you, you would need various um, consents from regulators to, do, to, to, to actually offer that managed investment scheme to the public.
0: So here's my confusion, right? So I had an ATO, uh, sorry, I had a crypto tax specialist on just last week. Now, the ATO came out and they said, and look, this might not be your kettle of, you know, where your expertise lies, but it's just sort of a, um, a, 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 it'll link up, don't you worry, (laughs) to what you were talking about. But um, essentially, it was saying that, you know, the the ATO came out and said, what do you want to, you know, to the crypto public, what do you think we should do? What are your suggestions? And everybody that I know, uh, everybody, all the comments that I read across the different boards and whatnot was that um, we were sort of, the community was saying taxes when it comes back to fiat, when it comes back to Australian dollars, that should be the taxable item. So it's nice and easy. Also, it makes it nice and easy for the ATO who just don't have the, I just don't believe they have the resources to police this properly just yet. But what they're saying is crypto to crypto, they want to tax that, which seems like a very complicated thing. Also, tying in with the fact that the regulator is sort of saying it's not a financial product, they don't regard it uh, as a financial product. So. If I'm selling my AMP shares, I'm selling it back to Australian dollars, that's the, ta- that's, the that's the tax event because it comes back to Australian dollars and then I can reinvest whatever's left outside of that tax bracket. Now, it just seems odd that they're saying it's not a financial product on one hand, but on the other hand they're treating it just like a financial product. I know the ATO and the and the the two different bodies, but do you see what I'm saying that it's almost like the left hand isn't speaking to the right a little bit? That there's a bit of confusion.
1: The reason that it's taxable is not that it's a financial, not a financial product, that's a double negative, I realise, it's because of this, it's it's actually, it doesn't actually matter what it is, think about, it's like a barter system, right, let's say you buy some gold and you pay $100 for your gold and you exchange that gold for silver that is worth the dollar equivalent of $120, you will have made a capital gain of $20,
0: right? Okay, yeah, no, I understand that. That's a really good analogy, actually. We love analogies here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so if you, if you, sell the, if you, if you make, do the transaction within 12 months, it'll be a 50% capital gains tax. You'll pay $10 of that to the tax office. If you do it within, uh, after 12 months, it'll be a 25% um, capital gains tax and you'll pay, pay $25 to the tax office. And, and, and this is the inherent problem, right, because people who are, let's say in a simple case you're buying Bitcoin, at a great price and you then use that bitcoin to pay for something so if the value of the bitcoin you use to pay for something at the time you sell it is greater than what you paid for it you'll have made a capital gain that somehow you've got to like account for and there is it's not just the tax office not being able to police it neither can nobody can actually record that because you don't well I guess you'd have to keep your receipt and then find some way to put that into, uh, you know, like into some sort of um, accounting program that could then relate that transaction back to the price of the Bitcoin that you actually purchased and used to pay with, pay for that good. Like that's, just, it doesn't exist, right? Not only can the tax office not police it, but we as individuals can, at the moment can't other than manually um, uh, even calculate what it was.
0: Here's a. I mean, this is a, a perfect, I mean, people are looking at the markets now, you know, people that don't understand the technology that, that are, you know, what, what I call millennial investors. They invest and I think that the period of investment is three to six months, not three to six years. Um, just to give an understanding of like how early we still are in this space, you know, we don't have yet accounting software to take care of that properly. Like it's, it's not in place yet. Now, that's a hurdle, but because that exists, the opportunity still exists for us to help to develop the space. And I understand that it needs to be regulated to a certain extent, and I, I do look ultimately. I do like the way Australia is sort of handling that regulation, i.e., they're not doing any knee-jerk reactions, they're not jumping up and down and banning things, they're not making it too difficult, which is really, really good, and it's why at the moment we're a bit of a powerhouse. Uh, we punch well above our weight, and, and we are a community, although a very small population. We're a community that the world does like to work with. So. Moving away from that, with with what you do, obviously, you say you work with a number of different fintech blockchain technologies, uh, or sorry, companies. Is there anything right now, like any um, particular move into a certain sector? Like we, we saw, We've seen the, the likes of Power Ledger and the different energy players. and We see many more coming out. Is there any sector right now that you seem to be noticing a lot of traction, uh, a place where there's going to be a lot of disruption coming up that you're aware of right now?
1: In terms of blockchain, look, because I guess I'm a financial services lawyer, the thing that I, I mean, my ultimate prediction about blockchain is that it's going to do away with all sorts of layers of intermediation. So let's, and this is really out there, okay, but let's think about property, right? Right now, if you buy a property, um, you basically have to buy the entire piece of real estate unless you invest in what is effectively a managed investment scheme, which is uh, either Domacom or BrickX or one of those, which has fractionalized properties, but you've got to look at the way they do that. Everyone thinks, oh, I can just buy a brick, you know, through BrickX, and that's great. Actually, what they—that's not true. What what the technical structure that underpins that is that they say, all right, we'll buy a you know a unit of a. a I don't know Fairfield or something, and we will split that into a hundred portions, and you can basically buy a portion. And it's the the property is actually owned by the trustee of a managed investment scheme, but you can buy a unit in that scheme that represents, you know, a portion or a proportion of that of that land. So, at the moment, there's a even though it looks simple, there's actually a massive regulatory structure that sits around that. Similar, similarly with, um, with shares, let's say you wanted to buy a Berkshire Hathaway share, right? It's massively expensive. I don't know how many tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars they are these days. The only way you can effectively buy that is to buy into a managed investment scheme that can sort of give you an interest in that. But eventually, I believe that it will be possible for those sorts of um, assets to be fractionalized using blockchain, without necessarily because you're going to be able to identify the um, the the underlying asset and the owner of that, you know, and the share the, the share of the underlying asset. I think that longer term, whilst we'll need some sort of a governance structure around it, a little bit like strata management, for example, you'll actually be able to fractionalize those sorts of assets and. Um, and, and potentially without the need to have a managed investment scheme. Now, that is, I can tell you, that would take massive regulatory change, but I think that's the kind of impact that blockchain could potentially have in financial investing, and that would be massively exciting.
0: It would change the game completely. It would bring more people into asset classes. Like, you, for example, you can't buy a Picasso now unless you've got fifty million dollars. Well, if we do it this way, we can still have a we can have a wonderfully diverse portfolio covering things like fine art, real estate internationally, domestically, shares. We could have a hugely you know diversified portfolio that we can manage ourselves as opposed to okay well unless we go in with a giant fund we, we can't have exposure to many of these things and it adds more weight for the individual to be educated about the finances and to learn more to move forward which i think is a really important thing for everybody globally i think it's a part that's often skipped and what it also does as well for the um, for the institutions the big the big players out there is if, if it's pitched in a way that you just did in the sense of you know let's let's fractionalize things bring in more opportunity uh then and we can see those types getting on board and helping the space to grow by sort of championing it from championing from the front because they get a benefit as much as the consumer gets a benefit, and that's kind of in the financial services side of things. That's what I'm excited about as well. So I'm really stoked to hear your take on that because the tokenizing or, or the you know however you want to. You know, whether you say tokenizing or whether you say, you know, breaking it down, fractionalizing, same same thing. I think that that's really where there's um, you know, a, a wonderful opportunity for blockchain to sort of really shake up what has been a relatively I mean, it's been relatively untouched typically for quite a long time. It's sort of challenging the norm, which I think is really, really exciting. Is there anything else in the space at the moment that you you find um as a challenge or exciting or anything else that you'd like to cover while we've got you? Yeah, well
1: just just I should make just one qualification. I should say that that it's not possible to do what we just talked about under the existing law without a managed investment scheme right now.
0: No, it needs to develop,
1: and, and it will take significant regulatory change and a, a much higher level of comfort with fractionalising of assets and the, the governance arrangements around that. But I can certainly, you know, but and so so I don't see that as a fast change, but I do see it as a potential change over time. Um, and in terms of financial services, I think a quicker win. Will be, um, which will be trading existing financial products. So if you're trading on a stock exchange, for example, I think the potential to um, concatenate the functions of clearing settlement and registry um, is, is a really significant thing that blockchain can achieve much, much more quickly. And we are actually working with one organisation who's seeking to set up an alternative um, financial market for Securitized um, loan uh, assets and also um, unlisted shares as well, and, uh, and and that that I think will be a real game changer in terms of opening up liquidity in those markets.
0: Yeah, it's it's important to look at what's close, and it's important to have a vision long term as well. I mean, as you say, you know, the the idea of um, you know fractionalizing everything that's that's a 15, 20 year play. That that's a long long way out. But the good thing is, is the blockchain. No matter whether you look at it at the coal face right now, as we stand with the, you know very early days, whether you look at it five years down the track, where we've got a little bit more regulation and possibly some more institutional players and a more evolved space and a more accepted space, and a space where it's being used more frequently, or whether you look right down the track, which is a Completely, you know, overhaul revolution of the way that um, we do a lot of business in the financial services. When no matter what step you're at, there is the blockchain still fits. It's not like it runs into a brick wall and stops. It we continue to have amazing people in the space, um, people championing it, helping to grow it, build the code, build the tech, and the the visionaries. It's an entrepreneur's dream. Everyone's in this space at the moment. So, no matter whether you look right in front of you. Mid-term or long-term, blockchain appears to be, and I haven't got a crystal ball, believe it or not, but it appears to be something that is not going anywhere. So um, it's been fantastic, having you today. Thank you so much for your opinions. It's it's wonderful to have uh, spoken to you. And um, where do people find out more about you, follow you, and, and hear more about what you have to say and what you guys are doing?
1: Great. Well, um, thefoldlegal.com.au and we have a blog so you can sign up to receive our blogs. We blog on all sorts of things to do with fintech and um, cryptocurrency. So yeah, really love to have people on board. And of course, if anyone needs any legal advice, then give us a call on um, 028353 6600.
0: Excellent. Well, guys, you heard it first here. I suggest that you all sign up to that newsletter because, uh, as you can tell from the conversation we've had today, Claire knows her stuff, not just because she's a lawyer, but because she's been at the forefront of blockchain and Bitcoin from 2013. So she's well up on it. Very interesting to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much once again for your time. And I look forward to speaking to you down the track.
1: It's a pleasure. Goodbye.
0: Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Check out TraderCobb.com because experience matters.